The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Airstory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. Ah, all right, so I'm interviewing you guys today. That's fun. A little nervous. A little nervous. I have some good questions here. Like I, I watched Narcos all weekend, so I have a lot of drug-related questions. <laughs> that, um, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it's just where my brain's going. This almost blends perfectly well into my first question, but we haven't done the actual intro yet. So I'm gonna do it in a British accent. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what I get to do today at the Copywriter Club podcast. (laughs) And I also get to put on a terrible Irish accent, and I'm doing it because we are flipping the microphone. That's an awkward thing to say, but we're turning <laughs> the microphone on the other side of the virtual table. And I get to ask Rob and Kira the awkward questions about life, business, copywriting, and all the amazing things in between. So thanks for letting me do this. And thanks for being on your own show, guys. Yeah, you haven't even told us who you are yet. <laughs> We're just supposed to know after that brilliant accent. I'm a ghost. I think we should only reveal it at the end. See if people can guess who this has been the entire time. It's a good tease. Hint, it is Rob's younger self coming back. Much better looking, much smarter younger self, yes. Yes, who who initially turned older Rob onto wearing Chuck Taylors, you know, so it is that version of Rob. Yeah, guys, thanks for being here. That's an awkward like transition. I don't know how you guys do segues so much better than I just did, but we will start off by talking about Kira's oh wedding anniversary because that is currently happening. So talk to us about the last six years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're starting off light. If you actually, if you could write a headline for the last six years, what would it be? Oh my lord, my armpits are sweaty and this is, I feel like I'm in the hot seat. It's terrifying. This is like an underhand soft pitch, so this is a warm-up round. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Whoever came up with this idea, very bad. Yeah, I'm happy to have hit my six-year anniversary with my beloved... <laughs> So we had a great weekend and just reflecting, I feel like, with the start of the school year and the fall and change of seasons, I don't know, I'm feeling this change within the my business and within my life of just kind of wanting to figure out where I'm going next. So this conversation comes at a good time. Amazing. And Rob, if you were to give Kira any amount of advice being married for 20 Ooh. plus years now, I like that. what would that be? Man, that is yeah. Rob, so, come on. so this this is a little bit unfair because when we have guests on the podcast, we actually prep them with questions. We you know we send them a few questions, say, hey, we might talk about these things, and you haven't done any of that for us. We so. should we should note that just that our answers may not be as great as they could be, but we'll still answer these questions, right? Yes. Yeah. There's there's no escaping it. So. <laughs> It's sort of weird for me to answer that question because I don't feel like I'm a counselor and I don't feel like Kira's my relationship is the one where I should be giving her, you know, marriage oh, you advice, sh- right? You so, should be though, so. but you should be because you're my, you're my life coach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's not going so well. For the, <laughs> Rob is the worst life coach around. Okay. So 
how to have a happy marriage, yes. marry the right person, you know, like marry somebody that you, you actually like and who likes you back. That's probably the number one step, right? Okay. I, say I, that you did that part though. Give each other space to do your own thing. I think my happy marriage is because I just married such an awesome person. Like we're just really good partners. We don't fight very often. We sort of have a lot of things in common. Things have just sort of worked out. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I've uh, given the thought into why it's so successful other than I just have a fantastic All right. wife. Let's make this a little more specific then and transition into the copywriting game. Like when has your skill as a copywriter lent itself to your marriage? Well, let's see. Copywriting is all about understanding the emotions and getting the response you want from the person across the table, right? And that's really, that's that's marriage. You need the other person to be able to respond in certain ways to different things. You know, you want help with this or that. And so understanding how my significant other feels or thinks, I think is immeasurably helpful in trying to get things done just, you know, within our family, within, you know, starting businesses, whatever that ends up being. So mm-hmm. so I think that part of copywriting for sure lends itself. What do you think, Kira? I would say that I'm a big fan of social proof and all copywriting. <laughs> and so I constantly send emails and reminders to my husband about how awesome I am. And, oh, and- I thought you were going to say that you like <laughs> sent him like testimonials and case studies from previous relationships. <laughs> No, but I want him to know what's happening in the business because it does pull me away from the family quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good good to remind your partner of what you're building because ultimately it impacts everyone. So he gets to experience the hard times with me where I'm stressed out, I need advice. So I, I do try to go out of my way to remind him of the good things like, hey, this person just said something nice about me or here's something good that happened. Like, I got to share that. So I have to remind myself to share that stuff too. Yeah. That is key to. So what is like the nicest thing anyone's ever said about you that like has just stuck? Copywriting related or just in life? Yeah. Let's start copywriting related. When I've been called weird. So I will think of James Wedmore called me weird and said he wanted to work with me originally because he picked up in the brand and the vibe that it was just like about embracing who you are mm-hmm. and he he kind of dug it and so I think anyone identifying me and saying hey I think you can bring this out in me too and connecting on that level of just like playful fun weird vibe yeah. I feel like that's a big compliment because that's it's a challenge. It's hard to embrace that myself. So if I can do that and some, it pulls the right person in, I feel like that's a huge win. Yes. Love it. Totally agree. I have a crush on James Wedmore. I just had to like say that out loud. <laughs> I had to say it out loud. No one, no one actually knows who this is yet on this interview, so I could like say anything. You can confess everything during this episode. To me, the interesting thing about you know calling Kira weird is that it's like Kira's not that weird, right? But she's... No. You're really good, though, at connecting with everybody. You can relate to the weirdest person or to the straight-laced person. or what. It's like you sort of cross all of those personalities or whatever. So you're not that weird, but you're really no. good at like understanding other people's weird. That's what it is. And people think weird. You have to have like bright pink hair and like lots of tattoos, whatever weird is to you. And it's for me, it's not that. It's just, yeah, accepting people for who they are. Right. Liking them. And I just, I typically like most people. And when you like people, I think then they may like you back or not. But I just really like people a lot. I really like you too. 
I like both. Oh, of you. I really like you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually like funny, right? Where did when did weird become like associated with your hair color? Like weird has nothing to do with hair color. I yeah, mean, I mean maybe that's yeah. such a bad example, but I feel like you're right, Rob. I mean, when I think of weird, I would I'm sure most people would be like, oh, well, Kira is like very normal, and I feel like in so many ways I am Mm -hmm. and there are people who are more complicated or more strange whatever it is to you but to me it's just Mm -hmm. very much about owning who you are right like your quirks things you don't like about yourself all of that amazing yeah for everyone listening like these first 15 minutes have been amazing we have like you know marriage advice how to survive being weird in life but my promise now is that we're cutting all of that oh are we really (laughs) oh it's it's all cut so everything i just alluded to never even made it onto the episode but my goal right now is to extract everything from these two amazing talented individuals that could really accelerate and ascend your career as a copywriter, like right away with nothing else. Like if this is all you did, if you didn't have like hours a day to read everything else, this episode is going to give you all the good stuff. This is going to be a short episode. Maybe you can tone it down a little bit. I feel like we're building this up a bit much here. Now we all have performance anxiety. This is great. (laughs) You know, I just set the bar way too high. All right. So assuming copywriting is a skill that can absolutely be learned, which I believe it is, we're going to actually go a little backwards and say, if you were judges on America's Got Talent, or actually, no, what's the other one? The Voice. You know, where you got to choose somebody, what would be like the raw out of the box, like non-trainable criteria you look for in a copy cub that you're taking under your wing. You go first, Kira. Okay, so beyond just I think natural talent, I do believe you know anyone can be trained to be a copywriter, but there are certain people where I just I see the writing and I'm just like that's the type of person I want to work with. So I think there's some raw talent in there. Someone who can take constructive criticism and not just take it but will use it and improve upon that and do the work right mm-hmm. someone who is willing to just work their push off to do the work i don't know rob you can throw some in there too while i'm thinking yeah somewhere. i want somebody who's interested in learning and really studying things like human behavior or motivation what makes people act or do things or think somebody who's going to try to understand how stories can change, you know, the way that whatever it is that I'm writing. Right. So I I want them to be really intellectually interested. Lots Mm -hmm. of different things. Not just not just about copywriting, but you know, psychology, history, politics, whatever it is. If you're intellectually curious, I think that makes you a really good option for a writer. So I actually want to go deeper into that because like to me, like education and interest and curiosity is such a double edged sword. Like there are so many different rabbit holes we can go into. And if we allowed our curiosity alone to lead us, we would probably never get anywhere. (laughs) So how do you guys, Rob in particular, because I think like you've written about this before, how do you structure your process for like growing your intellectual asset or your skill asset in a 
contained way that doesn't like rob you of your energy or the hours you're devoting to actually working and growing the business. Yeah. So this is something that I've definitely struggled with because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am curious about a lot of different things. If you saw my podcast list, you'd see podcasts about history and philosophy and business and all kinds of things. You know, the reading that I do crosses a whole bunch of different kinds of fiction to the, you know, some of those same things that I listed in my podcast likes. And the temptation is always to be learning. So like, Mm-hmm. I can very easily sit down and want to watch, you know, a course or, you know, go through some of the materials that I've collected about writing or about whatever and spend the entire day learning, right? Because that I love that. And so I'm not sure that I've got a great process for doing that, but I have this year tried to make an effort to read something, you know, that's that's educational. It helps me grow my skill set, my knowledge base for 30 minutes every morning as just part of a morning routine. And at mm-hmm. various times, I'm a lot better at that than I have been at other times. But when I'm able to focus, you know, make sure that I have at least 30 minutes in the morning to study something that I'm choosing to study, that mm-hmm. really helps. I actually love that, like, you kind of boiled it down to this minimum viable way of learning. You know, like, I too have really tried to structure my learning in the past and say, I'm going to, like, devote a certain chunk to, like, copywriting specifically and another to like human behavior and personal development and another to like all these other interests and like those systems and processes just like break down really fast but i think like if you just devote that half an hour every day or 45 minutes whatever it is every day to just like learning and growth and just trusting that like the compound effect of that over time is going to make you super well-rounded in all the areas that are interesting and aligned with what you're trying to do. I think that just feels a lot more sane. (laughs) I agree. A couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, I want to learn about ancient philosophy. And so I thought this year, I'm only going to read stuff about philosophy, ancient philosophy, maybe, you know, more modern, whatever. And after a few weeks of that, I get bored. It's like, I need to read other things too. I, you know, so I'm still interested in that, but I, there's lots of things that I want to learn. So, so I have a hard time learning that way because I feel like just the stage of life I'm in with two little kids and, you know, just taken on a lot of projects over the last few years. I'd love to set aside time and I think that does work. And when I can do it, it's great. But the way I've been able to learn is by working with people who are better than me constantly. And so what I've done that's worked really well and I recommend it is, you know, if you get a project or you take on a new project, let's say you've never written a VSL before, find somebody who Mm. has done it. And even if they're not even the best person out there, but they've done it a couple more times than you have, partner with them and figure out, you know, have that conversation. Like, what do you need to make on this project to make it worthwhile? And hey, can you also throw in some coaching along the way? Because this is my first time, you know, working on a VSL. So not only do you get paid to work on a project, you get to learn from someone who can teach you what they've already learned. So it's almost like a course in itself, but you're getting paid for the project, plus you're getting a case study. And it can work for any type of new project or, you know, just really kind of tapping the pool of people that we're surrounded by as far as like, what is everybody good at? Because everyone does have their zone of genius. And if you can figure out, well, this person does this really well, and I need to get better at that. How can I work with them in some way where we're both getting paid? It's worth our time. And so I think that's the way I've been able to learn because it's on the job. And that way, like, the pressure's on. I have to perform because I'm getting paid. There's a timeline. Plus, I'm bringing in this other expert um, who can teach me. And I think that works well, too. You could try both approaches, you know, or mix it up a bit. Yeah, ignore what I said. I think that's a better answer. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a really interesting hack and one like I never thought of before. But I'm gonna like ask you a follow up question. What would be the thing, your zone of genius, that other people would approach you and say, "Damn, I gotta work with her on this project." I mean, I would say at this point, it probably would be some long form sales page, mm-hmm. potentially emails, um, but mostly a long form sales page. That's where I feel like I could teach someone else and really work well with someone on a on that type of project. I'm glad you said that because your sales page, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say like who the client is, but you wrote a sales page once upon a time. And it's the only one I've read all year, like word to word for what? the sheer entertainment level question about that sales page that's been like bugging me ever since I read it but like on what draft of that sales page did you decide it would be freaking awesome to drop some 80s hip hop lyrics on the page you're talking about what are you saying you've never written like 80s hip-hop lyrics on a sales page i probably have you just do it so often that like yeah <laughs> the voices in my head command me yes so, so, so actually we'll, we'll segue this into another question like do you listen to music while you write I, I don't. I need silence. I've tried it, and I've been inspired by especially Hilary Weiss, who talks a lot about how she pulls music into her writing, and I get it, and I believe in it. But for me, when I'm writing, I need it to be – I either need to be in a coffee shop with just, like, a buzz – Mm-hmm. Or I need it to be silent, but I can't. I really struggle to have music in my ears. So I pull music from the past, you know, from mostly from like growing up and commercials and just pop culture songs from like the 90s, some 80s. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is your favorite 80s song? Like 80s ballad. I'm going to get more specific, like 80s ballad. Oh my gosh. I'll think of it. Yeah, Rob, do you have do you have one? Uh, I don't know about favorites. Let's see what what's the one. Is this even an '80s song or a '70s song? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Climax Blues Band. I should pull up just one of my you know one of my music mixes and and choose one from iTunes. But there's a few. When I was young, man. I'm not really a ballad listener. And right. you know, over, when I'm writing, it depends a little bit on what kind of work that I'm doing. Sometimes I'll write in silence, which is probably the most effective. But every once in a while, I think it's too quiet. So I'll put on like some jazz piano or something that's kind of soft, maybe some sax or trumpet, you know, maybe Frank Morgan or, or Dave Brubeck or, you know, something like that. But if it's more strategy type stuff and I'm, I'm kind of thinking and I, you know, I need to get myself excited or whatever, sometimes I'll throw on mm-hmm. some Christina Aguilera and, at high volume. No. Shaking kind of a thing. Oh I just don't see it. Guilty pleasure. Guilty it. pleasure. Yeah. I, you know, it's, but I, I mean, I couldn't sit down and write a sales page or a blog post, you know, doing with that kind of music on in the background. It's got to be, you know, something that just sort of is in the background. Right. The legend of Rob Marsh grows. Like, I'm just picturing all sorts of, like, genie in the bottle dance moves. You got it. Um, <laughs> you got it. Or a little Shakira, yeah. hips don't lie. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, you make a woman go mad. So be one. 
with, with amazing background animation, like best music video ever. You should see um, me dance. Yeah, I should. I should see you dance. Like literally, I should see you dance. Like we gotta like, turn cameras on right now. Um, I was actually. Um, I was actually at a birthing workshop with my partner this past weekend, and we were learning like these techniques. And there's like this hip swooping motion to like really open up your pelvis, like in anticipation of birth. And like they actually had the guys doing it. And I gotta say, like hip swooping is not an easy move. Like I have mad levels of respect for anybody who's actually mastered any kind of hip dancing shaking movements it's a uh, good preparation though for that big day mm-hmm. yes yes for that big day which, for, is, for like, which is approaching fast for you right yeah it's i mean four to six weeks yeah oh, something wow. like that yeah oh. it's like really soon yeah I so like it's, you it's, just, i feel like you just announced it on the show yeah, it, it feels like just yesterday right yeah. If anybody's listening and doesn't know who's interviewing us now, though, go back and listen to a couple of the past episodes because, yeah. This show is like the milestone marker of my life. Like every time I come back in any kind of form or fashion, like, yeah. You, you have yeah. to come back for the, yeah, for the next baby, right. the next baby announcement. Yes. So important question for both of you. But okay, so this weekend we did the birthing workshop. The weekend before I did something like a lot more productive, which was watching all of Narcos season three in like two days. Terrible. Like no one ever do it. Like just bad idea. But if you guys testified against a drug cartel and immediately (laughs) got immediately got put into witness protection and had to assume a new identity and cut ties with everyone you currently know except our family immediate family except except for your immediate family but like all your current clients everyone in your network like new identity same skill set same everything else but just you're in witness protection a what would your new name be (laughs) and b knowing what you now know how would you rebuild your career in half the time? Oh my god! Can I? Could we still podcast? Like, <laughs> I'm, under a, I'm, could under could a the mob trace me through the podcast? I'm, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if cartels are interested in copywriting podcasts, but <laughs> I mean, it is a business, so yeah. Don't take away our microphone, okay? I would call myself Kiki. Mm-hmm. Dig it. Last name to be determined. I guess, gosh, it'd be a shame to lose hug. I feel like... Kiki TBD. Like, that's a great name. <laughs> I like that. That's it. Career pursuits. You know, I feel like I might get into ghost hunting. Might be kind of cool. I feel like there could be a good career in that. We're talking specifically about your copywriting career. If you had to get to, like, where you are now in half the time. Under oh, your new, oh, so under I, your new name of Kiki TVD, how were, would she do it? I thought you were pulling away the whole copywriting career and basically being like, start over. Nope, okay. you you still get to do the copy thing, like with every piece of knowledge and skill, skill you currently have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's an awesome question. Okay, so I would skip over all the more challenging clients I had early on because I mm-hmm. do think it's important when you're just figuring things out to say yes. I feel like say yes for a long time until you can start saying no. So I did that, but it also is quite painful. You work with a lot of the wrong clients. So I would just skip over that whole stage mm-hmm. and jump into, I just jump into video scripts and start rocking, like building out a media platform where nice. not only I'm helping other people write scripts, but I'm really into the idea of 
building out different media platforms where I take the idea or take it, work with somebody and build a show, build something that's around an idea, a movement, and create kind of like the community, the media platform around it using the copywriting marketing skills that I already have. But I definitely am leaning towards media, which is not a surprise being that we're on a podcast right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing. Kiki TV going live in early 2018. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Going live um, next week. Going live. But I love what you said about like not being afraid to like say no to the wrong project sooner in your career. Like there is no magical cutoff, you know, for like really kind of focusing on the right gigs and the right fit. And I do feel like all of us really probably say yes to everything for way too long and much longer than we need to. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say is just thinking bigger earlier. I feel like, and I still, I struggle with this now, just like Mm -hmm. feeling like there's a certain path we need to be on as a copywriter. um, And you seeing the path from other people and feeling like, okay, well, I have to put in my time. I have to do this, this, and this before I can create this new thing or think bigger or put myself in an authority role. And so just to kind of skip over all of that BS really and just be like Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do I want to do it now this is how I want to do it and I'm capable of doing it Mm -hmm. that's really hard to do when you're just figuring out for the first time but if I'm coming back the second time I can definitely do that how about you Rob what's your new name and what are you up to (laughs) first I want to follow up on what Kira was saying because I think that's really smart I was actually thinking about this this past weekend you know Edison tried how many times to get the right filament for the light bulb was like 1100, you know, different things. The second guy who made a light bulb didn't say, well, I've got to put in my dues and tried, you know, 1100 things for the filament, right? He jumped right on the first, the thing that Edison had figured out and then, and then improved on it. Right. I'm sort of assuming that, but like, you don't have to pay your dues. As long as what you're doing builds on something that you know and can take it farther, right? So I I Mm -hmm. totally agree with what Kira was saying about that. I think that's super smart. My new name, uh, wow. (laughs) Before I was born, my dad wanted to name me Malcolm. So maybe I'd go with Malcolm. I I don't know. That's... uh, It doesn't really fit me, I don't think, but... Can we give you a name? I think we can give you a name. I I like Rocky. (laughs) I like Rocky. (laughs) And we were joking about Rocky the other day. What was that? I can't remember. Yeah, I could take Rocky. I could live with Rocky. I I don't know. The Kiki and Rocky show. That's what we're renaming the show now. Copyrighted Club (laughs) with Kiki and Rocky. Maybe. Maybe that could work. We'll see. (laughs) All right. so, so, So bring me through Rocky's career path. You know, you've set up in your new location somewhere in North Dakota, probably. I don't know why I always hate on North Dakota. I've never actually been there. You've set up there, you have your new place, you just like hooked up your internet and like, you got to make this work like right now without having to pay your dues because they've already been paid. So yeah, what do you do? Yeah. A couple of things I'd do differently. First, instead of focusing quite so much on just being a writer, I think I would focus very quickly on building a network. Mm. The network would be with writers and with business owners. So, you know, if mm-hmm. I, I would probably lean towards writing some of the same stuff that I write now. So, you know, technology space or health and wellness products. And so I would start reaching out to marketing directors, owners of those kinds of companies, you know, creators of those kinds of products, really focus a lot of my time on building a network because that's where work comes from. It doesn't come from knowing copywriting. It comes from your network. Mm. In addition to that, I would probably write a book focused on that niche. I've written a book already, uh, not really niche focused, but more around branding and storytelling, that kind of a thing. If I were doing it again, I would start with that niche and create something better than a glorified 
business card, but a book that really addresses the needs of that niche so that I could establish myself as an expert that people would want to turn to. And then I would not put my picture on the book jacket because I don't want the mob to track me down through my book. Smart thinking. Like that would be terrible if that was the thing that gave you away, right? <laughs> There's some guy reading Rob's book about yeah, copywriting yeah. for wellness companies sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Once again, like cartels are business. These skills are important to them. And yeah, like don't put your picture on that book jacket, like be the mystery guy. That's right. One thing I do want to ask, Kira already kind of like alluded to a lot of the mistakes around mindset people make and taking gigs they don't want for too long and paying their dues for too long. But as the co-trainers and creators of a mastermind and a think tank, what are some of those like nasty, recurring, limiting roadblocks and challenges and beliefs that you just wish would cease to exist? Yeah. So it helps to have a partner like Rob because I can go to Rob and say, hey, I'm having doubts about this or, you know, am I ready to do this? And Rob talks me through it and helps me kind of deal with my imposter complex as Mm -hmm. Tanya Geisler shared with us. But yeah, constantly as we build something, it's just kind of like, well, it goes back to the path that we've seen, especially if you haven't seen other people do it, or maybe you've seen one or two other people do it, but they seem like they're these all-powerful beings who are more capable than you. You question yourself constantly. I always question myself, even when I take on a new project that's a bit more challenging or with a, a client that's like a client I've been dreaming of working with, it, it doesn't go away and I still do it constantly. If anything, I do it more, but you just get better at talking yourself through it because you have you have the record, right? You've got the pattern, you've got the case studies to show like, yeah, I feel I'm questioning this, but I've done, look at my track record. Like I've been able to get through all of these things. So I know I will get through this too. And that's what usually helps me through it. Other than talking to Rob, talking to other copywriter friends who I trust, who understand, know me well and can say, Hey, like you're being stupid. Get over this. Right. Good answer. Yeah. I think like what I really want to get into though is like the people in your mastermind, the copywriters, the people who are really kind of like looking to you guys for the answers. What are those like the most common thing holding everyone back that you want to take a magic wand to and be like, no, like stop that right now. (laughs) I think there's a couple of them. One of the ways that we sort of deal with, you know, any doubts or the resistance, right? The keeps you from doing anything is Kara and I are always saying Mm. back and forth like, well, this is an experiment. Everything is an experiment. Mm. So Mm. we may launch something like the accelerator and it's going well or it's not going well. It doesn't matter because it's an experiment and there's not really a failure. It's it's all about mm-hmm. learning. So even if something fails, we're really learning about what do we do differently next time, not why shouldn't we ever do anything again, right? So trying just to eliminate that voice in your head that says like you can't do it or you're not ready for it or you know what are you what are you thinking because you know you've never done this before. Yeah, that, mm. that's that's sort of the trick that I think we use at least for a lot of the stuff that that we try to work on together. Right. And and part of it too, um, just thinking through, so we wrapped up our accelerator um, for three mm-hmm. months and now we're just starting the think tank. So I can speak to the accelerator. What I've seen over and over and how we help people is just, especially with pricing, mm-hmm. you know, we all tend to price too low. And so we right. know that, we know that we do that. So how do we fix it? Well, it helps to be able to go to someone else who may be more experienced than you and have them provide that constructive feedback, right? Like, hey, you're pricing yourself way too low. Why don't you think about it this way? Why don't you structure your pricing and packaging this way? And so if you know that 
that you're pricing yourself too low, which we're all doing, put yourself in a situation where you can get that feedback from some type of mentor or some type of colleague or some type of program where someone's just telling you and holding that mirror up and saying, look, this is not working. If you want to get over here, this is what you need to do. And then people do it. And then it's like you tell them to increase their price by this much. They do it. It works. And then they do it again. And that's when they start to gain that momentum. So you, gotta, you have to find those people or some type of structure that can help you put that mirror up because that's what we all desperately need. Right. Other than that, I mean, I think it's just around putting yourself out there, mm-hmm. feeling, so that's a lot of mindset, right? Like, who am I to speak about this? Who am I to show up on Facebook Live every day? Uh, mm-hmm. Once you can kind of tackle that mindset that you have something to share and it's worthwhile, then just doing it consistently. I think the consistency is the hardest part. And so that's what we try to stress too, is choose whatever that channel is for you. If you're comfortable on Facebook Live, great. If it's a podcast, excellent. If it's guest posting, great. And go all in on that and don't worry about the rest. And just like Rob said, it's an experiment. So choose six months or a certain segment of time where you just go all in on one thing. And we've seen when people do that, it it works. And it, we're a proof of it too, right? We finally, like, we both went all in on a podcast. We're forgetting about YouTube. We're forgetting about all the other marketing channels and just going all in on one thing and it's paying off. So right. the more we do that, I mean, we'll, you'll see the results. Yeah, sweet. So I actually want to talk more about that. So like the podcast Amazing. You know, I I haven't looked at the stats, but probably one of the most listened to and definitely probably the most valuable podcast in the copywriting space. Thank you. You know, you've That's done nice of you that. To say. Thank you, Ryan. I mean, it's the only podcast I would have me, so I'm a little biased. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have me twice, my dear. Yeah, so you guys have done that, which is pretty massive when you really take it into context. I mean, this is one of the most popular modern mediums and you guys have totally rocked it within the copywriting space. So that's under your belt. You've both worked with amazing clients, done incredible work. You've mentored people, you've coached people through the think tank and the accelerator. What is one thing you each still want to check off the copywriting bucket list before you hang up the MacBook Pros and call it a career. Wow. There's way more than one, I think. What would be the one? Uh, so for me, I think I would like to own a control with one of the really yeah. big publishers, I, you know, either in the financial or in the health supplement space. Having, mm. you know, and even when I say control, even an offline control, so direct mail, you know, something that's uh, in the mail. Love to have something like that under my belt. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, mine is similar. Uh, I feel like I have a lot to prove as a copywriter as just far as my skill set. So I feel like beating a control, making a name for myself in, you know, the direct marketing uh, space would be huge. Uh, So I'm with Rob there, and I feel like I have the drive to do that. And then beyond that, I'm really interested in creating some type of product. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that will look like yet, but and <laughs> what it will be. But I feel like that's kind of the next challenge is like, what can I create that will help other people solve a problem and then also make some money beyond like, right, trading my time for, for dollars? Uh, that would be the next challenge. Do you feel like every copywriter should actively be trying to think of like what is that product they want to create you know or what kind of business do they want to leverage these skills in for themselves i do yeah definitely i think it depends on what you want but i think mm-hmm. for most copywriters if you want to stand out and be seen as someone uh, as an expert 
you need to have that expertise. And that comes from creating a product, a book, mm-hmm. developing something that's your own and that's solving problems. So I think it's just a good way to kind of put yourself in a different role. And I think it will make you a better copywriter too when you're on that other side and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're marketing your own product. It's the best way to learn. If you're launching your own product, it's the best way to learn too. Just like, oh, this totally. is what my client deals with. Oh, cool. Yeah, now yeah. I know how to do my job better. So I feel like it's just a really good exercise in improving yourself and making yourself a more well-rounded business person, even if you're not really interested in like creating this gigantic platform around launching products. Just to do something different out of your day-to-day will make you more well-rounded and a better business person, a better writer. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I think, you know, it really comes down to what you want as a writer. There may be a few writers out there who are just thinking, you know what, I really only want to write. I've got some clients that I like, or maybe it's an agency writer, and they just want to be in the agency space. And so they're thinking, well, I don't really need a course or a book or whatever. But having said that, I can't see that, you know, creating a product would hurt even those kinds of writers. But it really depends on what they Mm -hmm. want. Cool. So question for both of you right now. Before I ask it, I want you to like bring to mind who your favorite client is without saying any names. And let me know when you got that. I have a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple as well. Is that okay? Is that cheating? Uh, Choose one. Got it. Rob? Yeah, we're ready. Let's do this. All right. So that person in mind, your favorite client, just handed you a check for (laughs) $200,000. Cash. A check yeah, for a hundred dollars. Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't make sense. A check for cash. That we can the use, to buy, that we can use to buy yeah. a gift card. It, <laughs> it, is, it is an illegal question. It's actually a money laundering question, guys. Like, you know, <laughs> I told you, like, all this drug stuff is just way too much in my head. Okay, so you get this check, cashable. It's not going to bounce for $200,000. What would you do or deliver in the next 12 weeks to make sure they got a 10x return. Oh my God. Wow. I think I would probably spend my time uh, building a new funnel to test against you know, some existing things that they're running right now and then spend a chunk of that on well-targeted ads. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll get a 10x, but it might be. I would use that money to hire some of the most brilliant online marketing strategists or maybe not even in the online marketing space, but the most brilliant strategists I can find and afford in that budget and bring them together in a room and figure out our master plan for this particular client down to the finest detail. So there's like the blueprint and everything they need to make that money and the return. But I would bring together other people who are smarter than me so we can all work together on it. Ooh, is that like answers. is that a cop out? I mean it's not a cop out. I was like just trying to like visualize what's going down at this like super mastermind party of yours. Like what kind of it's amazing coffee. Yeah, it's, it's a party. There's lots of like, beer. Like you just spent like ninety K on like the best <laughs> DJ in New York and like <laughs> it's really, it's really yeah. just an excuse to throw a massive party. I dig it. Like the ROI on partying can be pretty significant. <laughs> I'm thinking a bouncy house, probably a pool. Now I gotta try oh to figure God. out who my client um, is. is. Is this going into the think tank? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, client, the client wouldn't be there though, right? Well, they maybe wouldn't we would be there. The client for part of it, just as like the focus group aspect of it, but mostly it would just right. be my own party. Some of my friends might show up, <laughs> but it will all be you know the result will be incredible at the end of oh the my God. five days. I- I would show up, like make sure I'm on the list. Like, <laughs> right, I'd be really list. sad. I'd be list. really sad if I got turned down at the door. I'd be like, "This is familiar, but it's still very disappointing." <laughs> it, it, the sting never gets less severe it's being rough, turned away at the door. 
It's rough. I, I haven't let go of the rejection wound, clearly. So cool. Good answer. Next question. Like, what if it was a million dollars? Bigger party. Throw a bigger party. 10 days, yeah. not five. Cool. So this actually like goes back to pieces of your previous answers. But let's say the AI writing bots got really, really good, really, really fast and wiped out the copywriting profession overnight, which I guess we could also assume if the bots got that good, we're probably about six months away from like global <laughs> extinction also. But we still uh, need a job for those six months. So this is but not- yeah, I mean, we still got bills to pay. <laughs> You know, paying bills till the day we die. So like, that's great. What's your plan? I I mean, I'm involved in more than one business. So I don't just get revenue or income from copywriting. So I would probably turn to one of those other businesses that Mm -hmm. I've been working on. But if I had to do something entirely new, maybe I would uh, do something like Rick Steves, you know, start creating content around travel that would allow me to, you know, be in Europe and sort of see the cool stuff I want to see and maybe pay the bills. Nice. So I like yeah, it. So what Rob is saying, like it's good to have something else if you can, so that you don't fall apart when technology changes. I think also it's really good to have a deep knowledge of your niche so that if you are not able to write for that particular niche, you can pivot and do something else in that space that hopefully, you know, AI can't do. Beyond that, relationships are key. That's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. People have such a desire to spend time in real life with each other. Community development is only going to strengthen, in my opinion, as these jobs are eliminated. So I would focus on really building communities, whether it's online, offline, and focus on the people and getting people together or just become an activist. If there was going to be like a mass revolt against like the writing bots, you guys would be in the best position to rally the troops. <laughs> How does that feel to be like the code generals of the war against AI writing bots? Well, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, so I feel like I'm prepared at this point. <laughs> I'll take notes. But I do feel like, yeah, there are lots of changes coming up. We don't know exactly what's happening or going to happen. So the best way to prepare yourself is to not take anything for granted that this path you're on will continue forever and ever i think Mm -hmm. what rob is doing create multiple businesses pursue other ideas and deep knowledge relationships and just continuing to think outside of the box which is so cliche but like just don't get stuck in this hey i'm doing this now so i know i can do this 10 years from now because it's not true so that's not really an answer other than just like Mm -hmm. we need to think about this on a regular basis yeah and i think it's like super valid and important to like not just kind of have that narrow focus on just writing copy alone, but all the different avenues and all the kind of like, yeah, ways that gets implemented and the communities you can do that with. So amazing point. And even to your to your client relationship, right? So I mean, yeah. I know, Raya, you have really strong relationships with your clients. And I think even if they don't need you for this particular service, they would still hire you to be a part of a project in some other capacity, whether it's more on strategy or consulting or helping integrate this new technology into their business. Because your client is still a person and they are going to need help and they still want to have people they can depend on and that contact and that relationship development. So I think now more than ever, it's really important to go all in with your clients, especially your top clients, like build those relationships so they trust you. Yeah. Even if that means like putting on the cheerleading spandex and just like literally cheering them on like on a certain project. Yeah, exactly. So last rapid fire question, you brought up Game of Thrones. You guys are like... 
like overseeing this copywriting kingdom right now, who would Cersei be in the community? Wow. There might be more than one Cersei in our community. You, you get to crown one Cersei. Kira, you might have to answer this. Well, the funny thing is I'm only on the second season of Game right, of Thrones. That's crazy. All right. So, like, I feel like I know you're alluding to the future of it, but I'm also kind of like... Yeah, how bad How bad does Cersei get guess. in season um, seven, say, as opposed to season two? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, does she get, does she get better or does she get worse? I think she probably gets worse, but... We can't do it. All right. We're going we're gonna to have to edit that out. The, ga- the Game of Thrones <laughs> rapid fire question totally bombed. So... <laughs> Wait, but now, now I'm like looking it up. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen in season three? What's going to happen next? I kind of envy you being in a position where you have like five more seasons ahead of you. There's, yes. Oh man. Is she going to get really bad guys? It's, it's going downhill yeah, really right. fast. Yeah. Like d- don't, don't get too attached to anybody yeah, in that show. Really um, like. <laughs> you know, we're going to like end this in a very kind of open-ended way i know everybody asks this question but if this was like the last bit of advice you gave copywriters or business owners what would it be i think that's easy actually i'd say invest in yourself because the skills that you have are really the only thing that make you different from anybody else and whether that's books whether it's courses, you know, and you don't necessarily need to pay for a course, you don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money to do it, but you do need to invest time and energy into building your skills in order to move forward. The asset that you're building is your ability to think strategically and help your clients move forward. And you you have to put into that bank in order to get anything out of it. So I I would say invest in yourself. Amen. Got to make the first move. Oh, I was just going to say, I have my 80s song. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It is, so it is say, not too late. I'd say Under Pressure by David Bowie. my life right now. So I would say, I mean, similar to Rob, I do believe in investing in yourself. I will also say invest in relationships. Yeah. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. can train. We can take all the best 10x courses by Joanna and Rye, but we all have access to that, but not everyone takes advantage and really nurtures relationships, which that's what will get you those better jobs. That's what will get you this new business idea. That is crucial. So it's showing up to live events and actually building those relationships. It's jumping on Skype with people. Like that's how Rob and I met. Mm-hmm. That's the key. And that will, I mean, that will take you further than anything else. Amazing. If you could give pre-marriage Kira any advice, what would that be? Oh my Lord. Um... How about this? Full steam ahead. Life is awesome. Hang on for the ride and enjoy it. Nice. That's a bumper sticker. I'm putting that like everywhere right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd say just, you know, stay stay playful, stay fun. And when when that mm. fades or is not a big part of your life, question it and figure out how to find that again, especially as you have kids. That's really crucial uh, to your your happiness. So find that. And call Rob when all else fails. And call Rob when you're sad <laughs> yeah. or having a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will be reaching out to both of you in the coming months once I realize what it's like to grow a business with this semi-human running around. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you guys have a lot of experience with that. So yeah, next podcast, you will probably hear a lot more otherworldly sounds on the other end. But uh, for now, thank you for letting me steal the microphone. I tried to also steal Rob's voice, kind of like Ariel in The Little Mermaid. (laughs) 
spell totally failed and flopped. (laughs) I mean, Ursula came in and stole your voice prematurely, so that sucks. But guys, thank you so much for being on my show slash your show. Ray Schwartz, it was awesome having you. We will see you next week. Are you guys going to do the outro now, or do I need to like put on my accent again and pretend I'm not me? Can you please do your accent and just close it out? That does it for another episode of the Copywriter Club. Make sure to tune in next time when we talk to, insert person's name here, come back here for advice, tips, and strategies from the world's best copywriters. Cool. Thanks guys so much. This was awesome, and I hope to catch you guys soon. Before we end the podcast, we just want to tell you about our sponsor, AirStory. AirStory is an application designed to help you write faster, and it does a few things really well. It makes collaborating with others on your team easier. So if you work with clients or other team members on projects, you'll love the way that you can interact within your project documents. But there are two things that we really like about AirStory that you won't get with Word or Google Docs. The first is the way that it lets you organize information into cards. If you refer to research or other information when writing blog posts or websites or sales pages, you'll love the way that you can organize bits of information or entire articles into a card file that you can then drag and drop into your document. And if you do your research online, AirStory's Chrome extension lets you cut and save information directly into AirStory. It's pretty cool. Plus, AirStory has a library of templates that you can use on different projects. So let's say you've been hired to write a sales page or an email sequence and you don't have any experience or you want additional inspiration for the project. You can go into the template library, find a template for what you're working on and use it to start your document. Maybe best of all, you can try it now for free. In fact, one project at AirStory is always free. If you're a professional writer, there's so much here that can help you. Check it out at airstory.co forward slash club. listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.